We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Raise the tackle, watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to College to Canton, the one, the only real place you need to go for all of your NFL and college football needs. I mean, we cover everything, every aspect. Now, we're not the one and only, but we certainly do dig into all of it. Um, I am joined, as always, uh, by Travis May. You can find him on Twitter, um, at F underscore Travis M. We're here today to talk about some of the, uh, well, a recent mock draft that you did on Twitter, as well as some of the best returning college players. So we've got a little bit of NFL talk, a little bit of college football talk. It is going to be a lot of fun. Travis, before we jump into it, uh, we're recording on a Tuesday night. I want to know what you thought of the divisional round in the NFL. Oh, man. Uh, Well, I I like the the Chiefs and Bills game. That was incredible. Uh, Apparently, like over 50 million other people thought it was pretty cool, too. Like that's I, crazy. I guess that was a record. Is that was that a record? Fifty million. It was over fifty million people watched a divisional round playoff game, and I get it. It was it was the Chiefs and Bills, and that's become like the go to quarterback rivalry. Even though Patrick Mahomes absolutely <laughs> owns that rivalry uh, right now, um, but man, that was that was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. I uh, didn't play any DFS this cycle, so I didn't. I wasn't super invested, but I, I just and my Titans have been out of it for you know. The entire season so i just I, it's it's cool because like i'm at this in between point where i'm not officially um you know covering the sport full time right now for like this brief window uh but i'm actually and I, i'll go in and announce this in here in a second but i've got a new gig and i will be like starting next week so i'm really so just awesome. trying to just like sit back and watch the game with my my wife and, and son sons um, you know, my six six month old really doesn't, you know, he gets into but, it. But the two year old, like, oh man, he's all about it. Like, he gets down in front of the TV, like on all fours, and and, and he says, "Set." He acts like he's a lineman. And as soon as they, as soon as they <laughs> yes. hike it, he just like gets up and like run. And I say, "Run, run, 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 run!" And he just goes crazy, like just like flailing over the place, and then tackles me or or his mom or whatever. Um, every every play, like for like a dozen it. plays at a time, and it's awesome. So just watching it, um from that perspective is different, you know, like, cause I went from working all, all, like most every NFL game and college, <laughs> college football game full time for, for Mojo and doing the stock market and stuff too. I can just like be a dad and enjoy the games. Yeah. Uh, so that's been fun. Yeah. So tell us, tell us, tell us the big news. 
Yeah, so uh, we'll have like a, a official an announcement uh, forthcoming here this week. But I'm going to be the college football managing editor for A to Z Sports. Uh, it's a company that started actually here in the, the Middle Tennessee area back in, I believe it was 2017. Uh, a couple of guys here, uh, Austin and Zach, founded it. And they were in sports radio. Uh, started covering the Titans and then the Vols. And they expanded into uh, Dallas uh, Cowboys coverage. Um added some, some other radio figures and did a bunch of written work. And uh, anyway, it, it eventually they, they expanded to where they were covering all 32 NFL teams uh, last, last fall, via written content and video work and radio stuff and, you know, uh, YouTube stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it's been just an exponential explosion of growth for them. Uh, they had like, like a hundred million hits or whatever last year on their site. So we'll That's see so cool. how that continues to grow. Uh, but where I come in is they want me to head up the, college football uh, coverage and NFL draft coverage. So I'll be down at the senior bowl uh, meeting, I guess, I think five of the guys uh, on the team um, and kind of working with some of them uh, for senior, senior bowl coverage and doing a whole bunch of writing there soon. So you can find my stuff at a to Z sports.com here in the very near future. Uh, so I'm just really excited because I get to build out a, a team of uh, other full-time staff uh, that'll be covering college football nationally. And we'll, we'll be covering a bunch of the big name, brands in college football uh, more so than other teams uh, at least in year one but hopefully the idea is that we eventually build a doubts where we cover just about every power conference team uh, with their own site and own uh, channel for for YouTube and own you know really scale to to point where um, we have very focused team coverage so really excited to, to see how that gets built out because the, the growth on the NFL side has been fantastic so I'm yeah, really looking fun. forward to it yeah yeah, and they uh, they got they got a good one, so uh, they're lucky to have you as well. So why don't we uh, take a minute here and look at your you know you do your annual uh, rookie poll mock uh, kind of data scraping, yeah. uh, try to figure out, and then you do this poll where you just ask the people, hey, who would you draft next if you were up in um, in a draft? And so why don't you talk some people through this and go through some yeah. of your findings? Yeah, I've been doing this since 2016. Uh, just on Twitter, just uh, pop it up. I, I have an idea of what the consensus rookie order is in anyway, but you know, I asked Twitter who you would vote for. There's four options. Um, and typically what I'll do to, to figure out who should come next in the polls, I'll actually, you know, throw up four more names and say, Hey, who should be up for consideration on the next poll? And so you're getting a pretty good sample, like eight different names of players that should be considered in a given range for a pick, a uh, pick or two. Um, and it's, it's worked pretty well. Like it, it get a lot of positive feedback, some great questions. Sometimes I, you know, hop on a show to uh, talk about it or even write a piece about it. I probably won't do the, the actual written work on it, but uh, this year, but it's been a, a lot of fun just to see the reaction already. And it's actually kind of concluding like right now. <laughs> um, so it's, it's been cool to see the results. And uh, it, for those already following the NFL draft process, it wouldn't be shocking to many uh, to realize who's at the top, but Caleb Williams is your first overall pick. And uh, there's a pretty pretty significant tear break. Um, he actually won uh, that by 56%. Like he had 74% of the vote in second place was 56% behind him. Uh, so and that it, was probably grouped out. Was that well? Tell me, do you was remember? Like, was that a lot of Marvin Harrison? Was it people like, well, I would go. What or did you have some people take Marvin Harrison was second. He was second, but uh, he was you know less than 20%. It was like you know so it was. It's pretty clear that Caleb Williams is still 1.01. 1 
And then Drake May and Jaden Daniels were right there behind him. So that's your one, two, three, four. Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., Drake May, and Jaden Daniels. And that's probably in super flex, uh, super flex fantasy formats for rookie drafts this year, going to be the consensus top uh, four players. And really, there's, there's a chance that's the one, two, three, four in the real draft. You know, not necessarily in that order, but uh, that those are the actual first four picks off the board, which is kind of fun. That'd be crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. You get your your three kind of, I mean, according to like our, even when you and I did our mock draft a couple weeks ago. Yeah. These were our first four guys too. Yeah. The only difference was I just picked Jaden Daniels ahead of Drake May. Uh, when we did our, our mock just two weeks ago, it was basically yeah. Caleb, Marvin, Jaden, Drake. Uh, but it's funny, like our, our mock pretty much pretty well matched up exactly uh, with the top seven consensus. Um, like the fifth in the rookie poll mock results, Malik Neighbors. Sixth is Brock Bowers. Seventh is Roma Dunze. And uh, that's the exact order. Like when I asked the people, uh, that's that's where they landed. So the top seven, and it made sense that those those seven were the first seven in almost that exact order because there was a at the one point oh seven poll uh, in the in the Twitter uh, uh, mock that I did. Uh, Roma Dunze won that one with ninety four percent of the oh. vote. Uh, so he won by ninety one percent over second place vote in in that one. Uh, the other ones being up for. Vote at the time, I think, were Troy Franklin, Brian Thomas, and uh, maybe Xavier Worthy. But Worthy ended up being 11th. But no one was even close. It was, it was yeah. you know, so it, that's clearly the top seven that we just mentioned. Um, and then there's a hard, hard tier break. So unless something happens weird with some draft capital, maybe one more quarterback goes way earlier than expected, that's probably going to be the chalk for seven picks. And there's probably, in, in most leagues, going to be a pretty – pretty significant drop in terms of perceived value to that eight slot, unless there's just a really weird landing spot that, that really thrusts somebody up in there. And then that typically happens at at least one player, but it seems like there's at least some kind of tear break around that mark. Yeah. I I could see maybe a a wrinkle that could be added is if the number one quarter, I mean, excuse me, the number one running back ends up in just the perfect landing spot then maybe just that value of the, oh, he's going to get the work right away. Um, yeah. And I don't even know what team that would be right now. Like, I can't think right. of one off the top of my head. Um, <clears throat> I probably should have. I should think about these things, <laughs> but I haven't. <laughs> we, um, we'll get in a bunch of landing spots and, and yeah, that kind of talk but, later as we get. Because, you know, I mean, right now, like free agency is going to change all that. You know? Yeah. Go, so even, true. It really is. Yeah. Uh, but, but I like Brock Bowers kind of because after Rome, Adunze, you have a bunch of wide receivers that people it's just like, well, choose your favorite one. And you get Troy Franklin truthers like myself. You get guys who still are really, really high on Xavier worthy. And then yeah. you have the sports center crowd who still like Keon Coleman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And by the <laughs> way, you, you don't uh, listeners, you don't have to, we're not going to go in, in depth throughout this whole list, but you can find it on my Twitter account at FF underscore Travis M. And the hashtag is just 2024 rookie poll mock and that is linked in the uh the show description so you can find it there sweet yeah but it went troy franklin wide receiver four off the board um which is good it was interesting like some of the mock draft data was saying that he was more like a you know mid to mid-ish uh second round pick but he's been trending upwards with a bunch of national media even just this week 
knocking him a little bit earlier in the first round. Let's and go, then, baby. Yeah, Break exactly. that curse. Yes. And then Brian Thompson, uh, Brian Thomas Jr., uh, LSU. Uh, he's a freaking animal, and we'll get into him more here soon. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., uh, quarterback Washington was 10th, and then Xavier Worthy and Keon Coleman rounded out 11 and 12. Um, and then Bo Nix, Braylon Allen, Adonai Mitchell, J.J. McCarthy are the next four. Bo Nix, so of course. Braylon Allen is RB1 at 202. Yeah, at pick Pretty 14 crazy. overall, yeah. Pretty crazy. It is. And then, you know, Bo Nix is actually QB5, and J.J. McCarthy QB6. Six quarterbacks going off in the first 16 picks. That's probably not how it's going to settle because we're not going to have like six first round quarterbacks but i don't know we'll, we'll, we'll see and then if the adonai mitchell going there if he goes in the first round and there's a chance that he does he's not going to be wide receiver eight and so there's there's going to be some interesting value that i think follows in, into the early and even middle of round two because you get into like two three four for running backs after this and it's jonathan brooks blake Corum, and trey vinson and i there's probably, I mean, how many years do you have like running back two or three go in the middle or late uh, mm-hmm. second round? Like that's just, I mean, that's crazy. It's really weird. Um, and then rounding out the end, you got Devontae Walker, uh, UNC wide receiver, Jatavian Sanders, tight end two off the board at two, pick 2.09. Bucky Irving, your guy, running back yes. five uh, out of Oregon. Lad McConkey, wide receiver, Georgia. And Jalen Polk, wide receiver, Washington. To round things off. Um, and interesting, you know, some other players that, that got some votes at some point. Uh, Xavier really get wide receiver, South Carolina. Marshawn Lloyd, I'm actually getting higher and higher on him all the time. Uh, every the more I watch on, on him, just really how he finished on the stretch, even running back out of USC. Uh, Jalen McMillan, both, by the way, both yeah. USC's. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the fake one on the East Coast and the real one <laughs> on the West right. Coast. Um, and then Will Shipley, Clemson, running back seven, Audric Estime, running back eight out of Notre Dame. Uh, Malachi Corley, wide receiver 14 at this point. Uh, Ray Davis, running back nine. Roman Wilson out of Michigan, wide receiver 15. It's just interesting because, like, if out to this point, where I, that I just named 32 different players, and that's a lot of names. Just go back if you need to, write them down if, you haven't, if you're not already familiar with them. It, this is probably what's going to be like, hey, running back nine, that's coming off the board somewhere around four uh more than more than likely and so like guys that are gonna get at least looks to have you know one b roles and then wide receiver 15 around there that's probably gonna be the mark of like the last wide receiver selected uh, in round three and so it's interesting like all this voting data i think does a good job and it has gotten better over the years at finding like typical hey this is where the community expects draft capital to happen for mm-hmm. for these players and so, an interesting exercise. Dive into it on my Twitter or X account if you want uh, to, but definitely reach out with any questions too, because it's fun just to kind of get some feedback from people. Uh, yeah, and, and especially and disagree with or agree with whatever it is with this mock. Oh, if you're listening to us, you're probably a bit of a nerd, um, and so this is a great time <laughs> to jump into your dynasty leagues as well and look at where those uh, landing like like if you are have the eighth overall pick right now and you kind of look at this mock draft data here um you can get an idea of what the value is there and if you want to move up or move down based on that yeah a lot's going to change but if you have a bit of an idea already it just gives you that much more of an advantage so i like it a lot i also like seeing kind of kind of taking a snapshot of this now and then 
coming back like after um these guys go to the combine and Keon Coleman just looks insane and all of a sudden he starts shooting up and then we have to remind everyone no 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 please yeah. remember um because there's yeah. always those dudes I mean and sometimes they should shoot up too like um but yeah it'll be interesting to see how all of that shakes out and yeah you know and I'm sure even like next week with with the senior role so, yeah but so it's it's happening fun. fast and we'll, yeah. we'll, you know, I know we just skimmed these 32 names and we we talked about them a lot of them like two weeks ago but we'll we'll get into that rookie mix a lot more in the coming weeks especially once we get more data with the combine and whatnot but uh really tonight I just wanted to get into some of the best on this show best returning college football players because if you play in Debbie leagues or if, if you're just looking forward to the next college football season the landscape has changed dramatically in terms of who the best players are in in the game um, and remaining. and where they are <laughs> uh, yes for many of them where they are has has changed completely especially the quarterback position that's just musical so chairs crazy. uh but uh first uh, just i think we could probably just uh hear, hear a word from our sponsors yeah let's do it all right we're back we're gonna hit the best returning college football players kind of run down position by position as we do uh, but I forgot to ask, you know, I'll save it for later. I'll ask you when we talk about running backs. Um, let's jump into quarterback. I want to hear some of your your kind of top five players, some players you're considering. And then instead of giving people my top five, because uh, you know way more about these players than I do, I just like to ask you some questions about some of them, ask you maybe why you don't have some of the newsworthy guys that we hear a lot of chatter about, but maybe uh, from a, development or pro perspective you're lower on or higher on depending on the uh, circumstance how does that sound sure that works with me and let's do uh, it and and really top fives right now at any position there it's it's kind of fluid but and there's projection built in because some of these players it's going to be quite surprising where i might have them ranked but it has to do with how i think that this coming year is going to go for some of these guys you know um but with Debbie Leagues, with you know Campus Canton, whatever type of nerdy fantasy football you play, or just uh, kind of projections for NFL draft, whatever you're trying to build, um, that is what it is. It's a projection. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's get into your um, quarterback one. I wasn't surprised that he was in your top five. I'm maybe a little bit surprised that you have him here already. Uh, Jackson Dart, Ole Miss, they've brought in quite a bit of talent. Uh, they are apparently stocking up to go all in next year. I'll be honest, man. When um, Sanders transferred over to Ole Miss, I wasn't sure Jackson Dart was going to keep the job, but he has. And uh, yeah. and now he's on like your best returning quarterback, which is uh, with, with all these guys that are staying, that's a pretty, pretty high compliment. I would say that it's actually a pretty poor group that's returning. Uh, compared to what we've gotten used to. Like, I feel like every year I was like, oh yeah, well obviously so-and-so is going to be the first pick next year. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, mm -hmm. there's typically like, oh, it's obviously going to be Bryce Young or, oh, it's obviously going to be um, Caleb Williams. And uh, with Bryce Young, it was really 1A, 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 1B for most people with him and CJ Stroud uh, for a while. Uh, and even before that, like there's just always somebody that's like, we're projecting, hey, we've, we've already seen enough through two years that, we can definitively say he's probably a lock 
for top five draft capital. And there's not one quarterback that fits that mold. Not one, not, 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 not in the entire country. Um, I know that uh, there will be, everyone will have their favorite quarterback here pretty soon. Um, and the mock drafts will still gravitate towards Carson Beck and Quinn Ewers uh, quite a bit. Um, crazy people will flock towards Shadur Sanders as, as that kind of lottery pick. He's not that, but um, I just, so with, with Jackson Dart, when he um, really dating back to when he was a recruit, he made it big in the, on the like seven V seven circuit. Like he had a weird late emergence and late surge to his profile and where he was like a three star for a good bit. And then he just surged up and was like this pretty top tier four star kind of projection um, as a recruit. And then of course he goes to USC transfers to Ole Miss. And we've already seen what we've seen of him has actually been really good. Yes. He'll make some weird plays from time to time, but how he actually played this past year was really impressive. If you do any kind of composite modeling based on player performance uh, at the quarterback position, like, you know, combining pass efficiency with, um, you know, I know like a, a number of metrics in, in that regard and then rushing metrics as well, EPA per play and QBR and, um, you know, adjusted net yards per pass attempt and uh, overall passer rating or pass efficiency marks and things like that together, you can get a pretty good idea of how these guys are really comparing to one another. And among all the returning quarterbacks in, in like power five conferences, like it's, it's really clear that Jackson Dart and uh, like Dylan Gabriel and Jalen Milrow, Carson Beck, like that's those four ish where I have like the most, and even like Quinn Ewers, five like have like the best collective body of work uh returning um imperfect across the board uh and like Dylan Gabriel has size questions whatever but overall like what we've seen out of Jackson Dart uh, is pretty incredible he actually had over 10 adjusted yards per pass attempt this past year he didn't have crazy pass touchdown volume but he did add some value with his legs as well so he's he's just a, a player that I think profiles as good at good at everything already. And if his weapons are going to be even better this year, he could take a leap, a leap to be a first round pick. Like right now it's, that's not the consensus at all. Uh, but I think it, it does become so when people realize, wait, he has two really good seasons analytically already. And he's about to get his third and he might finish as like a top five analytical profile quarterback this season among power, power five conference quarterbacks. And he's probably going to win a whole crap ton of games and make the college football playoff and have like this huge available hype window going on, given that he's returning Trey Harris. He, they added juice Williams. Um, I don't know. Just what's his last name? Uh, Wells rather. Sorry. And then like they, they are bringing back uh, Caden pre-scoring and they have um, a decent offensive line play. Like the, the weapons around him are going to be really fun. Uh, and so I, I'm expecting a massive year for Jackson Dart to be as good as he was this year. And he was already a top 10 power conference quarterback this year by the numbers that matter in predicting future capital. Um, and the really the best ones are gone ahead of him. Like Jaden Daniels gone, Bo Nix gone, Caleb, Caleb Williams gone, JJ McCarthy, P Michael Penix all gone. So he's our, already a top five returning profile, like I said. Um, and if he takes any kind of next step, he could be that kind of lottery pick that that flies up the draft boards. And so I'm just going to go out on a limb and say I am I'm going to put him up there because like what I liked about him two years ago, we saw more of down the stretch this year. And he's just on. If I was building and I am 
<laughs> actual <laughs> projections for like what a player's peak could look like in the pros. Um, and that's another side gig I can I can tell you more about later. But um, I, you know what what a, a peak profile could look like for that kind of player. Like he would have like the top. <laughs> and so um, yeah, that's what it comes down to. Uh, so it is some projection. Uh, but and it is hot, probably a hot take to many that he would be QB one. But he's he's on 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 well on his way. Yeah, and I think it it also is kind of at this point. There's a lot of questions with all of them. It's uh, to your point. There's not a guy that we're like, oh yeah, he's definitely going to be a top three pick next year, most likely number one pick in the draft. Um, mm. And maybe the closest thing we have that is your next two guys in, in Quinn Ewers and Carson Beck. But I actually, yeah. I have not been looking at the 2025 uh, rookie projected draft order yet, you know, other than when you and I talk about it. So uh, yeah. are those the two guys that most kind of put in that category? Yeah, I think right now um, a lot of people just assume, Hey, Beck's probably just going to take another step. George is going to go to the national championship game and he's going to, you know, just be that guy because like he'll be experienced at that point and there's not that the returning field is not great like if you look at the heisman odds right now like the returning like the top names like carson beck's up there like seven and a half to one i think mm-hmm. that he's got the best odds out of any and like quinn yours is right up there uh pretty far too and so it's it's <laughs> there, there's a lot of people already kind of touting those guys because they, they play for top teams like yours was just in the playoff it's, it's assumed george is gonna be in the playoff this year blue bloods whatever uh, so that that's a lot more chalky, but it, it does make sense too because Beck really surged. He wasn't perfect uh, initially uh, this past season, but he surged and actually finished, uh, analytically speaking, just actually a, a hair ahead of of Jas- Jackson Dark Dark, Dark <laughs> Jackson Dart I like on the it. year. Um, yeah, that's a sweet name. He already has a cool name, but I know uh, he doesn't need to improve it. I yeah, could use he, I could use it though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I will be interested to see how he does without. Brock Bowers, because he really leaned on Brock Bowers mm-hmm. for a lot of the season. And when he didn't have him, he really leaned into Vlad McConkey. When he didn't have him for a little bit, it was it was again Brock Bowers or whatever. But it was even like Dominic Lovett, uh, who wasn't what we wanted him to be really this year for for Georgia. So without his best returning weapons, and they're also losing uh, Marcus Rosemary Jock Saint, but uh, so they, they are going to have to replace some weapons. And so I'm not sure that he's going to take that next step or that Georgia will need him to take the next right. step. So um that's part of it. But Quinn Ewers, people really want Arch Manning to just be a thing already. Um like even a podcast this week I was listening to uh, and they were you know saying there's a chance that you know he, you know, he just goes in over Ewers and like guys it's just not gonna happen. Like you, no. you it's just not gonna happen yet. You, Manning can have his day next the year after that and be fantastic. Maybe probably but Ewers is really good. So those next two just seems pretty easy. Uh, Ewers and Beck for me. Yeah, the, the next guy that you have at four is someone who um, I was all I was ready to go all in on the preseason Heisman hype train. Uh, I expected Alabama to win the national championship, and uh, I thought it would be because of Jalen Milrow, and that didn't happen. Uh, okay. And in fact it made me question everything about the hot take I had because <laughs> I don't think it would have been hot take. He probably, if, if he leads Alabama to national title, he probably is the odds on favorite for the Heisman for next mm-hmm. year. Um, but I certainly expected it to happen. 
Um, I would have bet it to happen. I did bet it to happen, <clears throat> and I was wrong. So you still have him top four. I think this dude has so much potential if he can just figure out a couple of tweaks um, in his throwing game, specifically um, that intermediary pass. We know he has that deep ball uh, really well, and the rushing's there too. If he can make that jump, I mean, he could be – the guy that we're all like, oh, all of a sudden he's QB1? What? <laughs> you know? Yeah, Jalen Milro, when you just like, like look at him, like <laughs> I, I haven't stood next to him yet. I hope I get the opportunity to do so. But you, like he's just a really, he just, he's built, you know? <laughs> he's he's not like, a, like, it's not six foot six, but he's like six foot two, probably close to 230. Like he's ridiculous athlete and he's ridiculously fast. Uh, we already saw what he could do down the stretch this year when they finally just decided to unleash him as a rushing weapon. His run rate yeah. and, and yardage down the stretch, he, you know, on the year is barely over 500 yards in the season, but his rate in the last half of the season, uh, you know, was on pace for like 800 yards across the, like a total season. So if we, if they unleash him for an entire year next year, and they're probably going to have to because they were replacing basically their entire receiving core, he's he could easily get to 1,000 rushing yards next year. And if he maintains pass efficiency, uh, like he did this year, or even takes a step forward and adds like a thousand yards on the ground, it's going to be really hard to convince anyone that he's not at least in the conversation to be a first round pick. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what Kalen DeBoer can can do with him as well. Uh, do they rely on his legs? Do they are they able to develop him as a better passer? Who knows? Mm -hmm. um, that's just the point. <laughs> like we don't yeah. know, but uh, there's reason to believe that he could take that step and be. Uh, in that conversation so i uh if if i was participating in debbie leagues i would be trying to buy up some Jalen milrow at the moment uh, personally uh next you have uh dylan gabriel who has moved he's, he's slowly making his way across the country once in central florida now yeah. all the way in the pacific northwest uh with my ducks i'm excited for him he's an incredible talent you know he's gonna be able to put up just stupid numbers um against most teams, the big 10 still curious what it's going to look like. Uh, but I do think they'll be able to score points. So Dylan Gabriel's numbers are going to put him up there and Oregon should be winning enough games that they're in the playoff race. And he becomes a really interesting person as well. You mentioned earlier on in the episode about his size being a concern. And I think maybe if <laughs> it'll it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how Bryce Young does next year, you know, how some of the smaller quarterbacks in the league do. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and maybe he's his size isn't as big of an issue. I don't know. Yeah. And again, this isn't saying that this is my top five is, is a little it's tough to put a Dylan Gabriel in here. I just really think that if we're projecting for especially like next year draft capital, I'm not really sure uh, how that really builds out. And I'm not saying that somebody like Drew Aller. Um, or even Cade Klubnik, Klubnik, who's been really disappointing, by the way. I, I'm not saying those those types that are younger can't take a next like this next step. Or Cade McNamara. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, just got off the phone with know. Iowa and rejected the job. So okay, yeah, they're moving uh, on uh, their uh, list. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's there are other quarterbacks that could be in the mix. I'm just saying that analytically speaking, we cannot ignore what Gabriel has done over the years. Like he was behind only Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix in terms of his like analytical profile this past season, um, and what he was doing all year long, and so 
<laughs> it, it's just tough to ignore. Like I know that the, he's he's been in schemes that have kind of boosted his profile artificially with, with whether it's how they utilize the play action game or how they utilize motion or how they set up the, um, the splits. Um, it, it makes it a little bit easier and he's going to be in a system this year. That's probably going to have a lower average depth of target and he'll have a lot of layups this year. Like just like Bonex Bonex did it as well. So we're going to see another season of Dylan Gabriel, just absolutely smashing <laughs> uh, all season long. And uh, he already has 125 passing touchdowns and, there's a chance that, you know, if they make it to the playoff and get pretty far, that he actually could pass Bo Nix up for the most uh, career starts. I thought that was a record that was going to hold forever. That's like he's at like 60, 61 or something like that uh, right now in starts. But because of the COVID year and how things worked out with his redshirt and all this stuff, you know, he could actually <laughs> – he could get over 60 career starts in college. Um and then back-to-back so, -back seasons, o Oregon has a quarterback with over 60 career starts. Yeah. That's so stupid. <laughs> that is so yeah. stupid. I know, I know. But uh, what he brings uh, just in a quick passing game and his his processing speed and underrated mobility, I just really does feel like Baker Mayfield. Um, I'm not saying he's he's going to, you know, go first overall. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but it was interesting because even the year before Mayfield was actually drafted, there was no noise that he was going to be a first round pick. That was not really a thing. Uh, even though he's doing really well at a high, high tier school, that just wasn't a thing. Cause like his size was like, he really can't do that. But I think if people start to realize, Oh wait, he's actually just hitting deep pass after deep pass. And you know, he's not going to, you know, throw a 90 yard bomb, but he's actually underrated in a lot of ways. His capital, I think is going to surprise some people. Yeah. I like it. I, um, I want to talk about a few question marks that I have uh, some, some names that have been kind of in the news lately with transfer portal stuff and all that. Uh, one of them is Will Howard. Uh, I feel like he's getting uh, the inflation that goes with being a transfer quarterback to a big school. I think we saw this last year where all of a sudden just kind of mid mid-level Jags are <laughs> getting this idea like oh they're superstars now because they play at x y or z and i don't buy it i think the player is the player and the scheme can help the talent around of course can help i mean will howard's going to be uh, surrounded by amazing talent at ohio state uh but i still don't think that he is all of a sudden going to be this dynamic passer that takes the nfl by storm no no i, I don't think so either like kyle mccord is leaving to go to syracuse and honestly he's a better passer than will howard by every objective metric uh, Will Howard brings something with his legs that I, I think that makes sense for college football purposes, and he's done really good in college football. I just don't see a pro future for Will Howard, and there are going to be, be some people that think he has one because he plays for Ohio State, and that's just probably not real, you know? And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. So um, we're, we're on the same page there. You mentioned Shadur Sanders. I want to talk about him for a second because yeah. uh, I, you know, live right outside of Boulder. Um, mm -hmm. and love, love CU, went to school there, all the good stuff. And Shadur Sanders, I don't know where he should go, but because of the hype machine, he yeah. is going to be uh, given a lot more accolades than other people might. Um, yeah. so, so I think we have to bake that in. Also, for DFS purposes, he's a lot of fun. <laughs> so... Uh, for 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 if you for those of you who do college DFS, for those of you who don't, you really should. Um, 
it is uh, a fantastic way to lose money on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Um, yeah, so with Shador Sanders, I think a lot of people recognize, oh, yeah, he took a lot of sacks last year. Uh, and they blame it all on the offensive line. Uh, but I think those who've been uh, analyzing football football for very long, um, it's become common knowledge among the nerds that quarterbacks own a certain amount of their pressure rate. Um, in fact, a significant portion of it. And not only that, you can take it one step further, and they own a, a good bit of their like actual sack probability versus their pressure rate. Um, and so Shador Sanders has shown really since he entered college that he's a ridiculous liability in that regard. Um, and so, you know, taking way too many unnecessary sacks when he has enough time even. Um, and so he took basically, what, 50 sacks this past year. And uh, they brought in uh, a transfer from Indiana. They brought in a uh, top-tier, like, true freshman who's probably just going to have to start because they don't have any bodies that are good. Uh, they brought in a couple other transfers on the offensive line, too. They're probably going to be forced to start. Um, so I don't think the offensive line for – Denver's going to be, you know, him is going to be any better, uh, better this year. But I, I think again, people are going to ex- blame the offensive line and just ignore the fact that Shador's been playing. Like he it, it, last year wasn't his first year starting. Like he was starting two years before that at, at the FCS level and playing with a, a bunch of talent better than he was facing, and that was still an issue even then. Um, so is that yeah, your I, main I just, is is that the main concern that's you the have main with him? concern, but also the fact that he just is not even that good of a passer. Uh, I know that there are isolated moments, especially in the first few weeks, um, where he made some some good throws against really what we found to be really horrific defenses across the board. Um, we didn't know that that was gonna be the case with a couple of the teams that they're facing. We didn't realize how awful TCU was. We didn't realize, you know, how terrible Nebraska was gonna fall apart. Um, we kind of knew that Colorado State wasn't supposed to be good, and they turned out to not be good either. Uh, but, you know, when they started 3-0, there was all this hype, and it was just everywhere. Uh, so it was just assumed that Shador was this baller. Um, but the truth is he, he has one of the lowest average depth targets in the country, so he had nothing but layups left and right for the most part outside of some deep, deep shots. It was a bunch of, you know, like a quick screen to Dylan Edwards that he took for 60 yards. Right. You yeah. know, or like, uh, you know, some some slant that, you know, went for way more yak than, um, you know, his, all the success that was being attributed to Shador was a lot of his playmakers early on in the in the season. And then he actually just got worse uh, in every way as, as the year went on. And you can say that he was dinged up and that's, that was true for probably three of the last four games. Um, but man, uh, he just was never good. Like outside of the first three games. And even then, he was still taking bonkers uh, sacks uh, versus his pressure rate. So, um, yeah, he's not a top 20 passer in college football returning. Um, and so that's going to be a hot take, but it's just the truth. <laughs> it's, it's just the truth. You can't argue. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know what to tell no, you. you know? <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, no one around here is going to be happy with a word you just said, though. So. No. Um, that's and that's okay. And that's okay. Let <laughs> us um, move on to running back, shall we? Or was there any other uh, quarterbacks you yeah. wanted to hit on before we move Camp on? Camp Ward is going to be overhyped too. He's also oh, not yeah. good. Um, he's also. Do you mean he's not good from an NFL lens? Or like, not do you think as he good can, as Do you think he can win? It? Is he going to win at Miami? Like, do you think it was a good move for Miami to get it? Like, good move for Miami because they were they were going to be stuck with some dude named Poppenbarger. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> that sounds like the TikTok uh, or Instagram pimple yeah, popper doctor yeah, guy. Yeah, like an FCS quarterback that was not great, uh, that was stepping up a level to maybe play. But so they were kind of absolutely screwed if they didn't get Cam Ward. Uh, so, yeah, he's going to be good for college purposes, and uh, he's good at making quick decisions. And But, again, like uh, – when he left Incarnate Word, their offense actually got better <laughs> with oh, a quarterback uh, that inevitably became an undrafted free agent in Lindsey Scott. Um, and then he, you know, he goes to Washington State and he's okay, but very, very spotty, like very inconsistent. I don't, and I think people see like his tools and upside, and they just ignore the fact that he was, you know, not at that like a top thirty passer among Power Five uh, quarterbacks this year. Um, so yeah, I mean, he had volume, but it's because he had to. And so, like, his raw stats are like, wait, but he had over 300 passing yards a game. Like, he absolutely had to, and his efficiency mm. was trash. Like, <laughs> like they, they were a really bad team this year, and then he was kind of to blame. Uh, so, um, yeah. No, no, that's good to know. Yeah, so uh, he's going to make Miami an 8-4 and four team maybe this year um, and get overhyped because of his tools and disappoint largely in the NFL. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Let's move on to Wet running backs. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about some running backs that you're excited about. We can just go to Columbus and hang out there for a while because your top two uh transferring in is Quinshawn Judkins. You have him at number one, Trevion Henderson at number two. I'm guessing it's kind of a one A, one B situation. Um, but you were a little bit lower on well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. You had concerns around Trevion Henderson early in this year. No, oh, you're muted. That's I took him a second to first. get back to. Yeah, right. That's the first <laughs> time that's ever happened. Yeah. Like 140 episodes in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It happens. It happens. Uh, but no, I, he became more of what we were accustomed to down the stretch. And I think had he been in, in this year's draft class, he was going to be like a second round pick. Um, but this year, coming back, with Ohio State maybe being a little bit more dedicated to the run game. Um, and he, if he gets all the way back, all the way right, stays fully healthy all, all year long, there's a chance that he and Judkins are both first-round picks. You know, and, like, they just entered the discussion of like, I don't, the year that, what, like, Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb both came out. Like, that yeah. kind of tandem. Like, that that kind of hyped-up situation. Cadillac Williams and... Ronnie. Yeah, Ronnie, Ronnie Brown. Brown. That's mm -hmm. going even further back. <laughs> that's that's twenty years ago, man. <laughs> that's hey, yeah. that's just that's yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, I think there's a good chance that uh, next year they're they're actually the first two running backs off the board uh, from the same team, and uh, they go there intentionally uh, to save some tread on their tires. Like Trevion's been pretty clear even from the get go that he doesn't want to have a ridiculous workload uh, coming out of college. So it was a little odd that he chose to go back, but. He saw an opportunity. Hey, we're we're going to bring in another back, and you don't have to, you know, be this 350 touch running back right. to come back. We're just going to bring another stud, and you guys can be this absolute baller tandem, um, and you know, ride the ride this hype train because Ohio State's going to be like ranked one or two opening the year, and mm -hmm. you know they're going to be really good. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. But Judkins, though, like we didn't even really talk about him. Like he. He he passed up a player that we thought was going to go really early in the draft. It didn't turn out to be that way. But as a true freshman, he was just balling last year, balling. Not as efficient, but um, he, just really excited to see 
because uh, Ohio State's offensive line this year, they bring a bunch of people back, and they're probably going to just kill it. So Judkins, absolute stud, going to be an early declare next year, has future back build. Trevion Henderson, if I really hope he continues to get that explosivity back. But, yeah, one-two punch. Like, it'd be easier to get pumped about some other names on this list, but it's, it's going to be hard to see one of these two not being the top option in next year's draft. Yeah, and I think Bill O'Brien going there actually probably helps the running game out a little bit too, you know. Um, Maybe. Nah. We'll see. Next, Texas running back C.J. Baxter. Uh, when our boy Brooks went down, we really saw Texas kind of lean on Baxter. Yeah. In fact, even in that Alabama game early on in the year, uh, C.J. Baxter was getting some looks in that game too. Um, some design plays for him. So they have a lot of faith in him. He has a lot of talent. There is talent in that Texas uh, running back room, but I, I agree with you. I think CJ Baxter, um, I mean, this is pretty high, uh, higher than some guys who maybe have a more proven uh, track record, but the upside. Yeah. I, I think CJ Baxter's right there with anyone else. Yeah. He, he was, I don't know, ranked number one by many, uh, coming in um, as a running back prospect, as a recruit uh, in his class. And so, yeah, I think there's a really good chance he's the first back off the board in 2026, which is weirdly only like two years away now. Yeah. Uh, like that's a real year, guys. Like, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so it he has all the tools and already put up 800 yards in scrimmage as a true freshman. So he should just destroy in, in Texas' a system that really loves the running backs. Yeah, uh, I, I love it. I like Jaden Blue, too. I think he'll get some more work. Um, of course, I don't know if everyone remembers this. I can't think of him without thinking about the fact that he sat out his senior, his high school senior year. <laughs> like it's just the craziest thing ever. He did, yeah. That's, um, it's, wow. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, let's go back to the Big Ten. Uh, I, I think maybe some people might want this guy's name a little bit higher. I, I'm still so up and down on him. Nick Singleton, Penn State, uh, absolutely talented dude. Uh, but sometimes the second best running back on his team. Uh, Katron Allen has also been phenomenal, but do you think that Penn state can kind of overcome the hurdle that has been scoring points um, when it gets deep into the season <laughs> and they're playing some, because the competition is improving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know people like to make fun of PAC 12 defenses, Oregon and Washington have pretty tough defenses, especially to run on. Um, I, I, well, I shouldn't say that. I, forgot about Oregon state a year and a half ago, just running the ball every play and us not being able to stop them. But um, Nick Singleton, I think uh, is an interesting name here. Super talented guy. Do you expect him to be the, uh, the RB three in the class? Uh, Something like that. You know, he could be, he could work up and be like a top two back in the 2026 class or 2025 class uh, rather. Sorry. Um, if things go right, because like his on-field measured athleticism by the tracking data uh, in terms of like how he hits full speed and uh, like how fast he is coming out of breaks and things like that, the measured data. Um, I have a good authority that he, I think I've said this before, but like he's one of the most ridiculous athletes. He just makes bad decisions sometimes. And so like his efficiency is, it's poor. And is that why Katron Allen, you look at the box score, like the box score at the mm-hmm. end of the game and he's, put up more yards and has more yeah, carries. Yeah, like Catron's like just a, a much more disciplined runner, honestly. Like he's not as gifted. And so mm-hmm. like even if he has better stats down the stretch again as a runner, I doubt that he goes ahead of 
Nick Singleton, um, because you know the league actually does care about traits quite a bit, and the metrics don't mean as much for running backs in terms of projection and accuracy at that particular position when compared to other positions. And Singleton's probably going to just get drafted because he's got wild potential. And so if he does get it down to be a little bit more consistent and the Penn State offense is less gross in terms of not generating a single freaking explosive play like most of every single game, um, <laughs> uh, that would be great for him and for Allen yeah. and all the, the pieces uh, there. Uh, but Drew Aller was just really conservative across the board. They're so insane um, all year long. It's just really weird. Uh, he's just <laughs> – it's just frustrating because uh, we wanted him to be like the QB one. He's just not that uh, he's a game manager at this point, but, um, but yeah, Singleton's probably a top five back still, despite being inefficient this past year. And despite making some bad decisions clearly at times in the game, but his potential still through the roof. Yeah. That's awesome. By the way, my son just turned on Game of Thrones. Can you hear that? Do, 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 do. I can't. <laughs> okay, Because <laughs> no. it's right above me. Uh, I'm like, oh, I wonder what episode he's on. Um, finally, rounding out the running back, uh, we've got Trevor Etienne. Talk to me. We all know his brother, um, uh, Travis. Travis is okay. Yeah, Travis, uh, yeah, Travis Etienne's are pretty good. Is it easy to, like, it's lazy, but a lot of people are like, oh, little brother, probably very similar athlete. I mean, he's, he is a very gifted athlete, and uh, he was in, in, inconsistent at times as well for Florida. And Billy Napier's, uh, you know, weird affection w- towards uh, Montreal Johnson at times was frustrating because you wanted to get excited about the opportunity of Etienne, you know, having a really significant workload. But it was just really inconsistent, how, like how he was used, when he was used uh, for Florida. Um, and so I'm sure he probably got sick of that. I was like, um, I'm better than this running back they're splitting time, you know, I'm splitting time with. Uh, and I know if I hop in the portal, uh, uh, possibly even a better school is going to want me. And they did, because now he plays for Georgia. Yeah. Uh, and Georgia was in dire need of replacing some running backs because um, they just sent Kendall Milton and Dejan Edward, Edwards to the pros. Uh, they have a couple other promising options, uh, younger players, but ETN probably slides in as like the big guy this year uh, for them. And if that's yeah, because the who was their dude who got injured, who was who, who they lost for the year, freshman running back? Can't remember uh, Roderick, his name. Roderick Robinson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have a couple other, um, and really, they're, they're, oh, they're, they're Georgia. They always have like, right, like, like, like multiple promising young running backs coming in uh, every freaking cycle. It's just kind of annoying. Uh, but, you know, and Andrew Paul, like, he was good. He, he played for um, uh, a really good uh, like private school. Um, it's Paris or something. I really, it doesn't matter. I was about to go off on a tangent there. I really liked his high school quarterback. doesn't matter. His high school quarterback's actually going, <laughs> to, going to Purdue, which is why I care. There you but, go. Um, but anyway, he's pretty he's pretty good too. But realistically, ETN's just going to be the guy uh, and probably could dom- dominate and have like, you know, 1,200-plus yards on scrimmage at, at Georgia. And if that happens, he, he's going to have a pretty significant hype train. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier in the show some of the wide receivers and uh, just playmakers in general – that Georgia is losing and uh, ATN is certainly capable of contributing there. There's a ton of other names to talk about yeah, at running back. To, I mean, um, a, I a couple, that, a couple that say, I just I say this. Yeah. Say this. We knew as, and you can see with recruiting depth of, of classes and, and like the dynamism of the athletics, uh, well, athletic profiles of like classes coming in, like just the general depth of certain classes when they're freshmen. Like when in 2022, when this running back group came in as true freshman, I was like, okay, 
this is a freaking stacked group. This is going to be one of the best running back classes we've seen in a very long time. And it's looking like that's going to be the case. Um, I'll just say that. But we can get into a few of these names. But it's we don't have time. Like it's just the depth is potentially ridiculous. Like like twenty like twenty guys who could be in the mix for decent draft capital. Yeah, absolutely. And no, I mean the the two names that I just wanted to to shoot out there were would maybe be post hype sleepers and guys like Rocket Sanders and Donovan Edwards. I mean, Donovan Edwards <laughs> had a crazy national championship game. So maybe he's not going to be a sleeper so much, but uh, guys that we were really, really high on didn't have amazing years, but, uh, but now I, I think new, new different situations, one Blake corner being gone and for rocket being in a new system uh, could be exciting. And then guys like Ollie Gordon, who put up crazy numbers, Damian Martinez, and then dudes who are going to be stepping in for, for running backs that have left. Uh, guys like, um, uh, sorry, Jordan James, and yeah, Jordan. Um, yeah your ducks, yeah, yeah. I mean, Justice Haynes at Alabama, man, like he, he yeah. could be, he could, and honestly, I almost put him in the top five because I'm so freaking high on his potential, um, for Alabama. So he's, like, yeah, he, he could absolutely explode. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, lots of fun names, and I know uh, one guy that I, you know, that just exploded when. Uh, given the opportunity was Phil Maffa for Clemson. Um, so yeah. so many, so many dudes that we could talk about. Um, and then we're still not even haven't gotten into the wide receiver position, which is also crazy deep. Um, just, you know, you mentioned my ducks, Evan Stewart. I somehow didn't see it the day it happened. I was like three <laughs> day late, three days later. I was like looking at transfer uh, at the portal rankings. I was like, what, how did we get so high all of a sudden? Like, cause we made a bit of a jump and I was like, we got him. We got Evan Stewart. Um, yeah. Super excited about that. I think it's going to be amazing. Um, he would be one of my guys that I'm most excited about seeing just because I think he was so stifled at Texas A&M, but he doesn't, we don't really know what he is. Whereas the guy that you have number one, Luther Burden just put together a stupid season at Missouri and was right there. I mean, I think that probably depending on who you looked at, Stewart and Burden were one, two, you know, as far as wide receiver rankings in the class. Yeah. Coming in as, as recruits, uh, Burden or Stewart, like th those were it, but uh, yeah. the, the guy who for me has actually passed Evan Stewart to be wide receiver two is uh, Ted McMillan at Arizona. Uh, he's, uh, he is what everyone wants Keon Coleman to be like. He is. And Ted long, just said he's staying. Athletic. Yeah. He's staying with Noah Fafita at yeah. Arizona, despite Jed Fish chasing that bag to go coach Washington. Uh, you know, he's making, I mean, he just locked in like $50 million. Don't blame him, but it stinks for the players. But anyway, Luther Burden, wide receiver, Missouri, absolutely balled out. Was one of the best wide receivers in the country this year. He um, made Brady Cook look good. <laughs> I mean, he did all year long. It's just like, yeah, I, I don't remember how I put it, but it was just like, I kept on waiting for Brady Cook to like falter in my QB modeling. Cause it was like, all these names belong up here. <laughs> yeah. But then there's Brady of, Cook. What's yeah, going on right like now? like the other. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's just like, but, and, and so just like, I, I said something like, you know, I kept waiting for Brady Cook to fall down the rankings, but then I kept forgetting that Luther Burden's goaded, so he just keeps him yeah. up there anyway. Yeah, so he's just freaking phenomenal. Over 1,200 yards this year, and uh, all that market share metrics per route run, per Team passage and whatever efficiency metric you want to get into, uh, Burton was up there too. Uh, so dominant 
Um, some people are concerned he's like more of a slot at the next level. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. he's not like a slot only. That's not what he really projects to be. Just that's just where that particular offense funnels targets. They did it with Lovett the year before and Burden did it this year. So, um, yeah, so he's going to be just fine. Uh, really in the mix to be wide receiver one off the board next year. Ted McMillan, wide receiver two. I think Emeka Abuka is still just going to be a first rounder. He struggled this year, but we talked about it before. Like he had the second best profile of all, um, you know, second year players two years ago, uh, only behind Marvin Harrison Jr. So uh, really excited to see him be the focal point of the pass attack for off Ohio State. So I think he's still good, probably going to be wide receiver three off the board in 2025, which is, again, I just that's a real yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, and then I have fourth, uh, Evan Stewart, Oregon, just feels weird to say, and Isaiah Bond, who transferred from Alabama to go play for Texas. He saw Xavier Worthy and how they were using him uh, when they played each other this year, and he's like, uh, you know, I kind of want to go do that. Right. <laughs> and right. so he's going to be in the Xavier Worthy role for Texas this year and might do as well or even better. I, I was really high in that particular class when they came in. Bond was my wide receiver one among the Bama wide receivers. There were several that were rated highly. And so I have actually a pretty decent amount of shares of Isaiah Bond. So maybe that's bi- <laughs> biasing me here. But I do very much yeah. think he could be the wide receiver one for Texas um, and have a phenomenal year and be a first-round pick uh, next next cycle. I like that. Uh, I like that that grouping of players. I mean, Ibuka is someone that we, you know, thought was coming out and we had slotted high anyway. And so um, I think him staying, he'll 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 be productive, uh, even if you know the quarterback play isn't as it was with you know C.J. Stroud and company. But most teams don't get to say that they had that kind of quarterback production. Uh, a name that I was uh, wanting to hear your perspective on, again, being outside of CU, but Vandy transfer, Will Shepard uh, coming over to uh, CU. He was a beast at Vandy. Um, oftentimes, like, I mean, in my opinion, their best player uh, on offense, incredible athlete, uh, super fast, good hands. Looking at how they, being CU, like to scheme open um, wide receivers, you mentioned how they, you know, do those quick short passes and then do the, you know, the fake and the pump and the the deep go route. I think Shepard could be very successful at CU. Yeah, and, and my buddies and the who, hype train, you know, and the hype train. Yeah, and and, and my buddies who actually uh, we had on the show a while back, probably a couple of years ago now, that are SEC refs and are on the field with these athletes. Like one of the guys is like, you know, the field. Uh, uh, the back truck or whatever that, that sprints down the field on all the deep, deep routes with these wide receivers. Oh gosh. Uh, yeah. It, it was ridiculous. Uh, like you have to be in a very certain level of uh, athletic shade to even be that type of ref in college. And so he's running with these guys down the field. And so he literally, you know, he can feel the speed of these guys as they're making down the flight. He, he feels it as they come out of the cuts, he has to dodge them in the open field, you yeah. know? And so uh, it's just funny. Like, cause when we talk about different sec players, he would always talk about Will Shepard. Uh, and I, I was like, I knew Will Shepard was good, but he was like, no, this kid's special. Like coaches know wow. it. Uh, when they, when when I talk to opposing coaching staffs about like who they care about when he refs a Vandy game, and there's not many Vandy players that are like really solid NFL prospects, people have to plan for Will Shepard because um, Vandy just, uh, he was their go-to like three seasons in a row, really. 
Uh, and so, yeah, I think he's going to do well for Colorado. I'm not sure where he, he slots in for draft capital, but even sure. for the SEC, like he registers there. Like he was doing just fine uh, on field against SEC defenses with no one, no help around him for the majority of the time while he was there. Yeah, uh, that's that's good to hear. Uh, you were telling me, uh, you, you were talking to me a little bit about London Humphreys. Yeah, speaking uh, of another, another Vandy <laughs> uh, wide receiver who's now at Georgia. So uh, yeah. that's that's pretty crazy. Talk to me a little bit about him because I was not. I mean, I I kind of followed Will Shepard last year anyway, um, mm-hmm. probably because I like Barton Simmons, you know, yeah. uh, former Cover Three now GM of of Vanderbilt football. Yeah. And so like I just kind of. But anyway, so I've seen Humphrey's name a bit, but I don't know much about the player. Talk to me. Yeah, and again, I wouldn't normally be talking about any players, but it. But now that they're no longer with Fandy, we can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because Shepard's with Colorado and London Humphreys. Had such a good true freshman season for Vanderbilt that Georgia was like, we need you. And so he was one of the first transfer ads by Georgia, actually, this cycle, which is so, like a Vandy wide receiver. What? Uh, this Vandy true freshman wide receiver last fall averaged 20 yards per reception as a true freshman. And so actually was the second leading receiver on Vandy's team uh, and was very explosive at times, inconsistent in how he was utilized, but uh once they realized that he could just be deployed in fun ways vertically uh he just won uh over the top and he's got really nice speed he needs to add some weight a little bit but you know he's tall and lanky fast and uh georgia just saw him and realized you know we don't have that archetype right now we kind of missed that adonai mitchell after he left uh, and transferred to texas he is that kind of body type that could be that really big typical X, uh, and they need that because they're losing Brock Bowers. They're losing some size. They have Dominic Lovett coming back, uh, but they don't have a lot of proven options at wide receiver uh, for a team that you would think would have their crap together in that regard. Yeah. But um, London Humphreys would not surprise me if he was the leading wide receiver for Georgia this year. And if that's the case, or even if he's wide receiver too, he's going to be climbing up some Debbie draft boards and some real mm-hmm. NFL draft board projections for 2026, which is when he is draft eligible. But I, I would not be surprised if he's immediately productive for the Bulldogs this year, which is kind of fun, um, you know, coming from like, you know, middling three, you know, upper-ish echelon three-star to Vanderbilt to 20 yards per reception to transferring to a national championship contender. It's so amazing. really fun for him to see um, really that that that, that ascension. And there, there's a handful of true freshmen that are intriguing, like Kevin Concepcion yeah. uh, at NC State might – he had the best objectively the best production of true freshmen this year. Eric Singleton at Georgia Tech, Eugene or what well, Trey we call him because Eugene Wilson the third, he goes by Trey. Trey Wilson out of Florida had, had a really gut solid showing. Tyler Brown at Clemson had a solid showing. There's just a handful of really intriguing true freshmen, even that are coming back. But um, but yeah, I mean, like a lot of people have Barry and Brown. Uh, ranked pretty highly for Debbie for purposes. Uh, some people might be thinking, why why wasn't he a top five wide receiver returning to college? Because he I mean he returns kicks like crazy. I don't yeah. remember uh, he had like over two hundred all purpose yards in his uh, final uh, game of the year, I believe, because he took one to the house uh, in, in return game. I think he scored a, a return touchdown, running touchdown, and uh, receiving touchdown in the same game this year. At one point, he's just a ridiculous dynamic athlete that I think uh, eventually gets you know. Second round capital at worst, probably. Uh, and Antonio Williams of Clemson, some people still rank him highly, but he missed basically the entire year. So just yeah. tough to project. Um, and then Tez Johnson of Oregon, I'm sure you're high on. He's a little scrawny, but I, I like him. And then Alec Aomenor 
of uh, Stanford. Uh, you you may is remember the him one, as the is guy he the one that just destroyed us in that second half? Destroyed and just annihilated Colorado single handedly. Just in the second half, three, though. I mean, almost 300 receiving yards. Like, yeah, because it was, was 29 nothing at halftime, by the way. Yeah, I watched that whole game, of course, because I, I turned I, it off at halftime. I was like, "Let's watch a movie. This is great." I couldn't Let's... believe it, and it was going so late, and I, I was like, "I didn't care because it was hilarious." Oh, it was rough. Yeah, I remember yeah. him. Uh, but he didn't just destroy uh, Colorado either. After that game, because before that game he hadn't logged more than four receptions in a game, he'd been productive at times. But after that, he had three more games with, with at least seven receptions on the year, and. Yeah. Uh, Couple other 100 plus yard games, and so he's 2025 eligible. Stanford's gonna be bad, uh, but it doesn't matter because he's probably gonna have all of the yards. So, yeah, he's gonna be intriguing (laughs) to project as well. Let's, yeah, uh, let's finish off with tight end. Yeah, Yeah. um, we can talk about let's start in Oregon again. I mean, he wasn't in your top five, but he's he's my favorite tight end in the country. Gotta start with Oregon, like Ferguson. but, I mean, you're the host of the show. Like, we, we can't did you not see him? Oregon did Ducks you see first. the? Did you see that <laughs> touchdown in the Pac-12 championship game? Though, uh, of like, course I did. Of course I had just. I had just. Like I, had just yeah. I had. He had made a reception like two plays earlier, and I made yeah. this little TikTok video about how great he was. And then right as right as I was about to hit send, he made that touchdown catch. And I was like, well, this is an irrelevant tweet now, or whatever it was. It's like I need to make a new video, <laughs> but. uh he is a talented dude. He's big and he's fast and he can catch. So at the next level, I do think he could be good. But you have at least five other dudes ahead of him. So why don't you talk about some of those guys? I mean, Loveland, this is the same Loveland for Michigan that yeah. broke the game open. Yeah, so my top five returning tight ends, and I could throw a few, and I will throw a few other names in there. But Colton Loveland was really like at times a de facto wide receiver one functional for uh michigan this year and he was a true sophomore tight end like he was really freaking good just would just break things open and had had real success in connection with jj mccarthy i i hope that the quarterback play um you know gets figured out for michigan this year now that mccarthy's gone but loveland was fantastic so really how on him think he's probably a second round pick um not sure there is a first round pick at tight end uh for next year or even maybe the year after that uh, I know that want, people want to project Oscar Delp really highly. Uh, maybe he's that this year for Georgia and climbs up into my top five. It just isn't there yet for me. But really high on Colson Loveland. Then Luke Lachey at Iowa. Uh, he's going to be that next Iowa balling tight end. They probably have yeah. a, te- a second round pick as well if he can just stay healthy. He wasn't healthy this year. Ben Urasik at Stanford is going to be the only other, other guy to <laughs> catching passes um, there. And he's really, really awesome weapon as the tight end. Amari uh, Nyblack, uh transferring from Alabama to go to Texas to be the replacement for J.T. Sanders. That opportunity is really fun. Um, and he was already really good this year for Alabama in spots. And then Bryson Nesbitt, uh, North Carolina. Uh, that rounds out my top five of returning tight ends. Uh, of course, again, Oscar, Oscar Delp could very well be in this mix uh, soon. Uh, a couple of other wild cards. Jack Belling uh, transferred from Oregon State to Michigan State following his coach, uh, and uh, and quarterback to Michigan State to probably be uh, one of the top receiving options for Michigan State this year. So remember that name, Jack Velling. He could be a, a mid-round pick at tight end. And then R.J. Maryland uh, just absolutely took the top off sometimes for SMU um, at tight end. 
And uh, he, he's just now uh, draft eligible next year, too. So he could be a top two or three tight end in next year's class. The, the, there's a bunch of returning depth at the tight end position. And um, this year's class was not great. It was like basically just Brock Bowers and uh, J.T. Sanders and a few other options. There's like a close to a dozen, really, that are intriguing for next year um, and beyond. That's that's good to know, because uh, I wasn't sure where all those tight ends actually played now i was like hmm, i don't actually know if uh nesbitt is still in north carolina or if he transferred out somewhere uh, i yeah. kind of anticipated that he would have actually so yeah uh, he was like the, the last name i was waiting for the draft uh de- declarations as well still just nothing you know like yeah. I, as of recording there's nothing he, like he hasn't said i'm returning like it's just ghosted you know so interesting <laughs> he, yeah yeah oh that's so funny well we'll find out <laughs> at yeah, some point so. yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's been good. I mean, that's a, an, an hour plus of a, a lot of NFL and college football talk. Again, Travis, uh, super excited for you to be uh, heading over to A to Z. And yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sure they're excited too. Uh, we will continue to be doing this. Um, that is you and I talking. And uh, we'll be back with you guys next week. In the meantime, please do rate and review the show. It always means a lot. Follow us on Instagram on, uh, oh, I don't think we're on Instagram. Follow us on X slash Twitter. We are recording live over at Ready Bet Action on YouTube. So you can find us there as well. Of course, you can find us on the podcast feed that you're listening to right now. Uh, So hit that five star follow so that you can get all the latest uh, as we drop new episodes. The seasons may be coming to a close, but you and I, we're still just getting started. So always a good time. And uh, we're already talking about 2026. So uh, clearly something's gone very, very wrong in the world. <laughs> hey, we're still here. That's all that matters. Honestly, I mean, we, we could start talking about 2027 now because that, that yeah. class is no, it's so weird. That's funny. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with you real soon. For Travis, I'm Steph on the Co. And we will talk to you next week. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.